Hey there, NBA fans, and welcome to the very first podcast of Hoop Heads. We are going to talk about all things basketball, and today's topic of discussion is going to be the NBA playoffs. Now, we'll get to the teams that are in the playoffs on the next podcast, but for this podcast, we're going to be talking about the teams that uh, made the playoffs but are no longer in the playoffs. So if your team has uh, already been eliminated, stick around because there is a good chance we will be talking about them. So everyone uh, currently is talking about the teams in the playoffs, and that's why I thought it would be nice to talk about some of the teams not in the playoffs, Um, talk about what went well for some teams and uh, what teams really have cause for alarm uh, as uh, they move forward uh, from being eliminated early. And uh, starting on the East Coast, uh, there's really only one team that stood out to me as really being alarmed or having cause for alarm uh, after their season ended early. And that would be the Toronto Raptors. Um, now, the Raptors had an amazing regular season. Uh, they had uh, 63 wins, I believe. Uh, Kyle Lowry played great. Uh, DeMar DeRozan uh, seemed to be taking his game to the next level as he expanded the range on his perimeter game. And uh, they, were, they, they were doing great. You know, They won their first-round matchup. They were tested by the Wizards, but they were able to come out ahead. And then they got swept uh, badly by the Cavs. And, you know, that was, I think, the biggest cause for disappointment because everyone was hoping, at least in Toronto, everyone was hoping that uh, this would be the year that the Raptors really pushed LeBron, maybe even beat LeBron and his Cavs. That did not happen, and it wasn't even close. And then uh, to end the season, uh, the Raptors uh, decided to fire their head coach, Dwayne Casey. Now, the firing of Dwayne Casey uh, didn't surprise me. It was something that probably should have happened maybe a little while ago, and uh, some would argue it's pretty unfair that it happened this year after he had such a a spectacular regular season. However, uh, I don't think that Dwayne Casey was ever going to take the Raptors over the hump, and um, so I do believe that the Toronto management made the right decision, albeit I don't know about the timing of it. However, the Raptors have a bigger issue here, and uh, they have a, a much, much larger dilemma to solve which is, can their franchise players, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, make it uh, past the second round of the playoffs? Um, they've had a hard time getting past the first round, and uh, they clearly, when they got past the first round, got uh, obliterated in the second round. So as long as LeBron stays in the East, which who knows what will happen after this free agency period, but as long as LeBron's there in the East, how far will Toronto really be able to go? And let's say that LeBron does move to the West in free agency, um, will they ever be serious championship contenders when, um, when the path uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Championship is uh, a little more open, if that happens? And uh, my take on this is no. Uh, I do not believe that Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are going to be your franchise guys. I think that they're both great second options. DeMar uh, is possibly a 1B type option, but I just don't see them... Uh, going that far uh, as a, as a star cast for the Raptors. The thing is, uh, it's not that Kyrie or Demar have glaring holes in their games, or there's anything that in the um, the off season they can really work on. the The problem is, is what happens when they get to the playoffs, and that's just not something you can coach. That's just not something you can practice. That's something that you can only improve on by gaining 
those valuable playoff minutes and getting that playoff experience and getting success in the playoffs. Now, obviously, not every player has success right off the bat. Some players are going to struggle, and some players are going to uh, go through their growth spurts. But DeMar and Kyle Lowry are not um, brand new players to the game. They're not rookies. They're not on their rookie contracts. Uh, They are seasoned veterans. And the fact that at this stage in their career, they're having such a hard time proving themselves on the big stage, I think is a very, very serious cause for concern for the Raptors. And if I were the Raptors, I'd be looking to move one of, if not both, those players. Uh, realistically, I think that you move one of the players, um, Kyle Lowry, if you can find a taker. Uh, but most likely uh, in the market, you're you're going to get better value in return for DeMar DeRozan. And I think if you can get um, a playoff-proven veteran uh, of star caliber uh, for DeMar DeRozan to couple with Kyle Lowry, I think you're going a long way towards improving your franchise chances. Um, again, if you can trade Kyle Lowry and get the same thing, I think that's even better because uh, if, I have to take, if I have to choose which player to keep in my team, I take DeMar DeRozan um, 11 days out of 10. Um, but the Raptors definitely have some thinking to do this offseason, and they got to discuss more than just a head coaching change because I don't think that's going to fix everything. I think that they need to look at the roster, and I think they need to make some pretty serious changes to their actual roster. Um, but that takes us now to uh, looking at what happened well in the East, what, which teams lost in the East, but um, after this season have a lot to look forward to um, and have optimistic futures. Now, every team is going to tell you that the goal of the season is to win a championship. But let's be realistic. That, that's just not going to happen, and that's not a realistic goal, really, for uh, every team. I mean, if you're the Cavs, if you're the Warriors, if you're the Rockets, yeah, you can say that. If you're the Celtics, maybe. Um, but most teams, I think, need to take a more measured approach and just try to improve and build upon wherever they were at last year. And if you can continually do that, uh, then at some point you will be at that championship contender level. Um, and I think the uh, two teams that have the most to look forward to and have uh, built the most uh, going from last year to this season uh, and and can continue to look to, uh, to move forward next season uh, are going to be the Indiana Pacers uh, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, let's start with the Pacers. Uh, obviously, no one expected them to win uh, the way they wanted to make it to the playoffs. Um, not just make it the playoffs, but they weren't even an eight seed, right? They uh, they were, I believe, the four seed or the five seed. I can't recall, um, but they played the Cavs there in the first round uh, in a very competitive seven game series. Um, and you know, I think Larry Bird himself said that he was expecting his team to win somewhere in in the thirties, not even in the high thirties. I think in the lower thirty. Uh, lower 30s echelon of games Um, well the Pacers exceeded that they made the playoffs and then they gave the Cavs uh, what has been so far the biggest uh, challenge in the playoffs and uh, a lot of that was thanks to the monumental growth of Victor Oladipo now uh, you talk about players playing with a chip on the shoulder I think Victor uh, definitely did that after being traded uh, from the Thunder and being seen as what a lot of people said was not equal value uh, for the Paul George. And, um, you know, some of these NBA players, when they get motivated, when they get that chip in the shoulder, they really elevate their games. And we saw that from Oladipo this season. And they have a lot of really nice pieces around Oladipo. Um, you know, you got your Miles Turner, you got Sabonis, 
Uh, and then you got players like Deshaun or uh, like Lance Stevenson, who find a way to stay relevant. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I think Lance Stevenson's downfall is he likes to antagonize LeBron a little too much. And while he does have some success against LeBron, at the end of the day, you motivate a player like LeBron, he's going to crush you. Um, but moving forward, the Pacers have a lot lot of optimism and they got some great young players they're an improving team Nate McMillan did a fantastic job of coaching them and I think he should be in the discussion of coach of the year um, and if you're a Pacer fan uh, you should be very excited about this season and about uh, the future of your uh, seasons moving forward the 76ers uh, they actually made it to the second round they they beat Miami pretty handily um, and they looked pretty good doing it uh, it was really nice to see uh, how they played, see those, those young players grow up. The process, uh, as so many people there in Philadelphia have called it, uh, is definitely starting to come through. Uh, I was very impressed with how well J.J. Redick gelled with the youngsters this season. It's going to be interesting to see if they're able to keep him for next year. Uh, I think that uh, he would be a great mentor moving forward for the, the 76ers, and I think he has definitely a role there on that team. Um, but also it was nice to see the development of the youngsters. Now, Ben Simmons struggled a little bit in the second round. Uh, he had that uh, one-point game, which obviously is, uh, is a stain on anyone's resume. But that kid is amazing. I mean, he can do everything. He can uh, obviously play point. He knows how to use his size. He can get to the hole almost at will. The, the biggest glaring weakness in his game is his outside shot, and that is going to come in time. Um, obviously, with how bad it is uh, especially from three-point range that might take more than uh, a couple of seasons you might not start seeing him really shoot effectively from the outside until the end of his rookie contract but he is going to be a great franchise piece for them Joel Embiid is obviously a beast Uh, as long as he can stay healthy he's going to be a great contributor for them I think if you're a Philadelphia fan uh, you have a lot of reasons to be excited I don't think this was ever going to be your year I don't think anyone in Philadelphia believed this was going to be their year. Uh, but it's not outrageous to think that uh, as early as next season, uh, Philadelphia could be contending for the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so I really like the way Philadelphia uh, played on the court this year. I thought they did a great job in the playoffs overall. And I think that uh, they're going to be a scary matchup in the future uh, for anyone. All right, that does it for the East. Stay tuned. Next, we will talk about the West. Now, looking on the West Coast, uh, the teams that had the most success and teams that have the most cause for concern, uh, starting with the concern, uh, the Portland Trailblazers and the San Antonio Spurs. And I'll start with my beloved Trailblazers. I'm a huge, huge Rip City fan. Um, but, man, <laughs> these playoffs are brutal. And uh, getting swept four games to zero by the Pelicans, that was not fun. There was a lot of cause for optimism in Rose City uh, after the season they had. Uh, I don't think anyone expected them to be... Uh, the third seed in the West with how competitive the West has been uh, these past few, well, actually for quite a while. Um, but I, I don't think anyone um, expected the Trailblazers to just go there and lay an egg like that. Um, it wasn't clear cut who was going to win that first round uh, going into it, but a lot of people were predicting the Blazers in uh, six or seven games. And some people were even thinking that the Blazers might challenge the Rockets or the Warriors to a a tough series. Um, I don't think anyone expected the Blazers to win um, the and make it to the Western Conference Finals, but I do think a lot of people were thinking, hey, this team might be able to give uh, the Warriors or the Rockets a run for their money. That didn't happen. 
Uh, the the big uh, water cooler discussion in Portland is can CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard fit together and be that backcourt for the future. They're both very talented players. They actually play very well together, um, but they're both short. They're both undersized, and um, they they take up a lot of the salary cap. Those those guys make up uh, almost fifty million a year. Uh, Portland in general is uh, a team that financially is not looking too great. Uh, they have $27 million tied up in Evan Turner and Myers Leonard. And when you have $27 million tied up, that's, that's each year, uh, tied up uh, to a guy who comes off the bench and another guy who doesn't come off the bench at all, well, uh, you're going to have to do some, do some tweaking to your roster. And the question is, who's going to want to take those contracts? You know, who's going to pay $17 million for Evan Turner? Who's going to pay $10 million a year for Myers Leonard? The only saving grace is that both those players, I think, have only two years left on their contracts. But still, what, what you trade them, what, what value are you going to get in return? I think that right now, if you're Portland, if you can trade Evan Turner and Myers Leonard for nothing and just clear some salary cap space, uh, I think that's a win. I mean, you saw the Blazers trade Allen Crabb's massive contract uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, for pretty much nothing, and um, I think that that might have been a win. Unfortunately, Alan Crabb was one of those few players that could alleviate some of that pressure from Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum uh, due to his outside shooting. And uh, you saw the Pelicans in the offseason just trap Lillard and force him into bad decisions and into bad shots, and he did not have a great series, which is not his status quo. He's usually a great playoff performer. So uh, you got to wonder, what is the next step for Portland? What are they going to do this offseason? I'm not sure what that's going to be, but I do know that Neil O'Shea has a lot of homework to do this offseason. Um, and you, you can't blame the head coach. Terry Stotts is doing a great job of competing with the players he has. Uh, at the end of the day, that the roster is just flawed, and they're going to have to find some solutions while Damian Lillard can still ball the way he can uh, because he is in his prime, and you only got a small window to take advantage of a player like that in their prime. The Spurs are the other team in the West that I think have a lot of cause for concern. Now, you look at the Spurs this uh, this offseason and really throughout the whole course of the season, and they just weren't the same Spurs that you typically see from a Greg Popovich team. Um, at the end of the day, they lacked firepower. And a lot of that, obviously, is due to Kawhi Leonard being out for the pretty much the whole season. I mean, he played, like, what, nine games? Um, and obviously there was a lot of drama around there, and there's still some drama. I, I don't think anyone knows uh, for sure where Kawhi Leonard will be playing next season. I, I think bets are he will still be a spur, uh, but as from chatter around the league, it sounds like uh, some other GMs, I think they at least have a chance of getting San Antonio on the phones for a conversation about trading for Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi Leonard's an amazing player. Um, I mean, absolutely, uh, I think, top five player in this league. Uh, a true two-way player. He is fa- fantastic offensively and even better defensively. Um, you need a guy to shut down LeBron James. That that might be the one guy in the league that can truly shut down LeBron James 
perhaps Kevin Durant when he's focused, but uh, Kawhi Leonard um, has all the physical tools uh, to be uh, an amazing superstar, and he already is an amazing superstar uh, when, when he's on the court. And that seems to be the question for the Spurs, is when can they get Kawhi Leonard back on the court? Um, and when he does get back on the court, how's his relationship with the team going to be? I know that uh, uh, there's been reports about Tony Parker, manager Ginobili, um, being frustrated with Kawhi Leonard uh, sitting out for the entire season. Uh, Tony Parker made a comment about how he played through the same injury, um, which I, you know, I doubt he did, um, and I don't know how true that report is. Uh, but at the end of the day, it does sound like there is some, at least some friction coming out of the San Antonio locker room, which is not something you typically hear coming out of the Spurs. The Marcus Aldridge also, you know, there's a big question mark there. Uh, he was in Portland, so I followed him quite quite extensively during his Trailblazer days, and he has a little bit of a soft mindset. If he uh, he can get his feelings hurt pretty easily, and his ego is a little frail. Um, at least that's what all the the rumors are out of Portland. And I know that there's definitely been some of that uh, chatter out of San Antonio as well. So uh, what will the Spurs do? Um, it seems like they're, uh, they're Tony Parker, they're managing Ginobili. They're, they're running out of steam. Uh, Pau Gasol running out of steam. Um, they have a lot of guys that are just getting there in age. And I think you're finally starting to see the age creep up to the what seems to be the ageless Spurs. Now, are they out of playoff contention next season? I don't think so. Um, and who knows? Kawhi Leonard could come back. Everything could be roses, and they could make another another push. But I do not believe that this San Antonio Spurs team, the way it's currently constructed, is going to really challenge the Warriors or really challenge the Rockets uh, in the near foreseeable future. All right. We're going to move on to the West Coast teams that have uh, some optimism moving forward, even though they were eliminated from this year's playoffs. And I'm going to start with the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans uh, obviously did not have a great showing against the Warriors. Uh, they got blown out a couple of games. They did win one, and uh, they played. Uh, they did play them close for stretches at other times. Um, but at the end result, uh, they did get to the second round. They had a great season after uh, Cousins went down. And Anthony Davis has absolutely asserted himself as uh, what I think is the most dominant big man in basketball. I mean, he, he can do everything. He can shoot, he can block, he can dribble, take it to the hole. Uh, that right there is a very, um, very special uh, mix of talent, being able to both shoot and take it to the hole. Because uh, big man defenders are uh, naturally a little more slow-footed, and uh, they already have to come out on him. Uh, a little more out of their comfort zone to guard him on the perimeter. And then the fact that he can go by them and break him down on the dribble, uh, that just makes nightmare uh, matchups across the board for, for most teams. Um, so that was really nice. But the Pelicans have more than just Anthony Davis to be excited about. I think one of the biggest uh, developments for them this season uh, was the play of Drew Holiday. Now, Drew Holiday was playing at a pretty high level in Philadelphia uh, for stretches, and uh, when the Pelicans acquired him through trade, um, I think that they were kind of hoping to see him at, at more or less that high level. Now, he definitely has gone through, I know, some personal um, hardships, which uh, are going to bring down anyone's game. Uh, but this year, I think we finally got to see the Drew Holiday that the Pelicans wanted when they traded for him. 
and uh, he is a two-way player. He can create offense. He can uh, create issues on defense. Uh, we saw how well he matched up against Damian Lillard. And, uh, you know, as a Blazer fan, I have to say uh, that Drew Holiday was probably the best point guard in that series. And the Pelicans cruised their way to a 4-0 win against the Blazers. Um, now you get now it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they get Cousins back. Uh, but if they can integrate him well along with the play of Anthony Davis and the play of uh, Drew Holiday, I think that the Pelicans have a lot to look forward to. Trading for uh, uh, Miritich was also a really nice move as he provides them uh, some outside scoring uh, from the wings. In the past, the Pelicans have really had some issues shooting the three ball. Uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue anymore for them moving forward. So uh, Pelican fans, be happy because your team looks very good for next season. Beyond the Pelicans, I think that uh, the other uh big team that I noticed in the West Conference that has a, a lot of reason for optimism is the Utah Jazz. Uh, you could also say the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that they're going to be fine moving forward. Um, uh, a lot of this season was derailed by the Jimmy Butler injury, and I think that as they t- have time to gel and grow as a team, especially with Carl Anthony Towns developing, um, I, I think that they're going to be in a really good position moving forward. But the Utah Jazz, um, what what a draft pick. I mean, talk about Donovan Mitchell. Well, what a great, great draft pick uh, at the number 13 spot. Uh, 12 other teams passed on him, and he is probably the best rookie in this year's draft. Um, you know, Ben Simmons is going to be in the running for rookie of the year against Donovan Mitchell, but Ben Simmons obviously uh, was not in the part of this year's uh, draft class. Um, but Donovan Mitchell is uh, is a real, real baller. Uh, he reminds me a lot of uh, Damian Lillard when he came out. He reminds me a little bit of Allen Iverson. Um, he, he's just got a lot of game. He can dribble. He can take it to the hole. He's not uh, a great playmaker yet, but when you got a Ricky Rubio uh, playing beside you, that that's okay. Um, and, you know, the, the Utah Jazz can get away with having an undersized guard like Donovan Mitchell um, as, your, as your number two guard because they have this guy named Rudy Gobert who can clog up the paint, and if Donovan Mitchell gets beat, he's, he's covered. Um, they also have a great coach and uh, Quinn Snyder, and they have some great support players. So having that young nucleus of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, uh, I think that any Utah Jazz fan has reason for excitement. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, and I say this as someone who has uh, actively rooted against the Utah Jazz uh, during the Malone and the Stockton years. Um, but they are they I mean you can't deny them they are a team on the rise give credit where credit is due the Utah, Utah Jazz had a great draft and they have set themselves up very nicely going forward um, are they going to need more talent to add to com- compete with the likes of the Warriors and the Rockets yeah absolutely but the thing that the Utah Jazz have uh, that gives what I believe is the biggest reason for optimism is they still have room to grow. Um, when your best player on your team is a rookie and he leads you into the second round of the playoffs, that's a good thing. And uh, you already have a Rudy Gobert there. You already have um, some other veterans uh, like um, uh, Ricky Rubio, uh, Jay Crowder, who I thought was a very nice addition to the team. Um, and so they're in a great position moving forward. And uh, if you're a Utah Jazz fan, you should be very happy. All right, fellow Hoopheads, that is all the time that I have for today's podcast. On the next podcast, we will be looking at the teams that are still in the playoffs. We'll talk about uh, who I believe is going to win each matchup, as well as who I think is going to be the favorite to win it all. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please let me know uh, if you agree or disagree with the teams that we discussed. So until next time, have a great day.